What's happening? This is the Tap In Podcast. We are live inside of the Tap In studio. It's your boy Jerome Rogan in the building, a.k.a. Dante. Man, we got a super, super special guest in the building, Mr. Robert Hines. How you doing, man? What's happening, Dante? I appreciate the love you gave me when I walked through the door. I'm just trying to tell you. Absolutely, man. This Texas hospitality is filling my soul. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm ready to do battle. Okay. <laughs> not 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 with each other. I mean with them other motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man. So right off the back, I just want to say I I owe you an apology. I owe you an apology. Okay. Because when I, I found you online, right? And I stayed up. I literally from probably eleven o'clock at night to probably like one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, mm. laughing my ass off at your Man. videos, and I was like, you know what? I want to bring Rob in. Like he gonna be like a different little flavor for my audience. But then when I start really digging in, like recently, I was like, oh, this nigga niggerish too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, oh, okay, yeah. Hey, bro, I Open worked at right the in. county jail in Chicago. It man. don't get more hood than that. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. That's hood concentrated. That's like hood Kool-Aid syrup. You know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you are a stand-up comic, mm-hmm. um, funny as hell. I seen your special. Thank you. Yeah, it was dope. How did you um how did you start doing comedy? It's an interesting story. Um I went to I went to high school at a place called Chicago Vocational. It's on the south side of Chicago. And the people that they send to school there, they want them to become uh, tradesmen. And um, we had ev- we had a bunch of mentors and, and shit like that. And one of the mentors was a dude named Dave Dewerson. Mm. Dave Dewerson is noteworthy because he was the safety for the Super Bowl Bears. Mm. So I'm sitting in his, uh, in his uh, library. And he's mentoring, and I'm just sitting there. I ain't even supposed to be there, but I was. I used to wear them uh, Bill Cosby sweaters and shit, and they would let me in everywhere. And so I got there, and I sat down, and he was talking to all these people, and he wasn't really talking to me. Then he looks at me, and he goes, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was always a smartass. I was like, I want to be a comedian. How can you help me? And he goes, well, I don't know um, much about comedy, but Tim Reitman who was the tight end for the team, hung out at this club called The Funny Firm. Mm. So I go down to The Funny Firm, and I'm 17. They won't let me in. Mm. So as soon as I turn 21, I go up there. They won't let me up. So I, I went there for six months, and they wouldn't give me any mic time. On the sixth month in, in June of 1991, I go on stage, and I do like three minutes. And it's funny, to my surprise, and, you know, I wasn't expecting it to work that well. And it worked really well. And when I came off stage, it was a dude named Evan Lionel. I, so we're going to talk about what's real. Man, that dude I, is, a, <laughs> my God, that dude is magic. Like, I, I, man, I don't understand how you get away with the shit he do. <laughs> he yeah. got straight player energy, you yeah. dig? Yeah. And the brother walked up to me in his Evan way. Hey, man. How long you been doing stand-up? I was like, this is the first time. He was like, come back here with us. You bullshitting. You been doing this shit. I was like, nah. We go back in the back of the room, and there was James Hanna, amazing writer. Mm, R.P. to James Hanna, man. Yes, sir. You know what you talk, man. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know how much you know, but it appears that you know way more than a lot of other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hanna, um, Duran Howard, Shay Shay, and Bernie Mac are in the back of the room. What? And all of a sudden, all these guys surround me and start telling me where I need to be. Like, on Tuesdays we here, Wednesdays we there, blah, blah. And then Bernie, like, I got a room on Monday night, and you could come down there and do a few. Mm. So I'm, all of a sudden, I'm in the rotation, and they teaching me shit every night. Mm. Every night. Really? And Bernie was not, <laughs> Bernie was like a sink or swim type dude, right? He'll go up in front of you, do 45 minutes, then introduce you who have had a week in comedy. <laughs> now, at the time, I wasn't intimidated because I didn't know who Bernie was. Mm. Just another nigga to me. Yeah, yeah. And after he did his time, it was amazing. And, and it was a bunch of gangsters in the crowd, right? Because it did this. It was a Monday night show at midnight. It didn't start till midnight. So you on know Mondays? On Monday. So you know ain't none of these brothers got jobs. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Back then, it was wearing coogee sweaters and shit and gazelle glasses. 
Yeah. And it was straight. You could tell it was gun bulges and shit. And shit. These dudes was for real. Yeah. And Bernie would get up and do 45 minutes of insults to killers. And them motherfuckers loved his ass, right? Yeah. And then he puts me up and I do a few minutes and it go okay. Then he goes up behind me and he goes, yeah, you was funny, but I don't, I don't, I'd like to see how you would write a letter. Because you cuss a lot. This Bernie Mac <laughs> telling me how much I cuss. Yeah. And then he goes on to give the example. He was like, dear motherfucker. <laughs> like and by the time I had really realized who he was, we was about three, four months in. And I was following him everywhere. Really? Yeah, him and Evan, anywhere these guys went. Th- those four guys, anywhere they were, I was not far behind. Mm. And man, I got a education i know you had to man back in the uh back in the and for some reason like i believe that like it's some beasts that come out of chicago man it's a lot of what is what was the comedy scene back then because i don't know what chicago is it's just a tough city that makes you just a beast on stage but it's a lot of beasts that come out of chicago man it was amazing i'm saying like it was like I mean, I smoke weed now. I smoke a lot of weed now. Mm-hmm. I didn't smoke weed at first because I was the police, and then people had me for a little while. Brothers and sisters, I'm back. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> um, but what I'm figuring out is that we had a scene much like, like let's say, Birdland or something. Like, everybody was coming to see us, or at least see Bernie, and we got the benefit of it. Mm-hmm. And this was before anybody really – this was before he was a star. Yeah. You know, this was – this was when he you could still see him on 87th and in Stony Island, right? Mm. And 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 this place called Spices. It was a nice little spot and the older people owned it and they gave us run of the place and it only seated about maybe 75 people. Really? And man, we would shove 125 black folks. I'm saying <laughs> They couldn't even see the stage. They was all up the stairs because it was in a basement. Mm. And, man, these dudes would put on amazing shows every goddamn week. I'm saying, like, Robert De Niro would come in there. Um, Bill Murray would come through. Really? Um, um, it, was, it was a lot of people coming through there, man. And then from there, I got to All Jokes Aside. And All Jokes Aside changed my life. Is that the one that uh, Mary ran? Mary ran it. Raymond Lambert and James Alexander owned it. And then Mary became one of the owners later on down the line. Okay. Mm-hmm. I seen a documentary about that club. Yes, sir. Yes, the, all sir. jokes aside. Yeah. yeah. I would have been in the documentary, but I was not doing as much stand-up at that point. You know, I was I was not around Chicago stand-up like I should have been. Because I was dealing with the pain of working in that jail. Yeah, so that's an interesting transition. So you started at, like, what, 18 doing comedy? 21. 21. Mm-hmm. And then you stopped for a minute, got you a nine to five, and then came back to stand up? I was, um, I didn't want to leave stand up, but I, I, my family working class, right? Mm. And um, my uncle worked at the jail, and him and my father was like, all right, we're going to get him a job. Because this, this comedy, my father never thought much of comedy. I'm saying, like, I was 35 years old before he accepted me being a stand-up. And that was only because he seen it with his own black-ass eyes. He had built it on that same bullshit. My father, 92. Damn. And still, like, he has dementia, but he still talks shit. You know mm, what I'm Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's in his fiber. Man, that is who he is, you dig? And so he was like, yeah, you need a job. And um, I took the job, and it was hard to get. It was a hard job to get. And when I got it, it wasn't particularly hard for me, but it was a lot of people. Man, dig this. This is how screwed up they got our people. They had about 300 openings or something like that. This was right before they signed the crime bill, right? Mm, this is 1994. Like, okay. It, they signed the crime bill in, like, July or some shit of 1994. Okay. Um, The line to get the application went around city hall and wrapped around like a fucking belt it had to be 5000 people trying to get 300 jobs really i ain't i am not exaggerating and then when i got the job 
The interv- everything about getting the job was easy. The test was fairly easy. The thing that was was interesting is when I got, I sat down across from the guy to get the interview, and he looks at my application and he looks me in the face and says, "You from Inglewood?" And I said, "Yeah, that's one of the rougher neighborhoods in Chicago." And he says, "Can you fight?" And I said, "Yeah, I can keep somebody off me." He said, "You got the job." Just like that. That was it. That was it. And <laughs> now there was a lot of other steps between that. Yeah. But when you got to the job interview, they just asked me if I could fight. Lord, <laughs> and they had told me they had me in the mindset that I had to prepare myself. Now, now here's the thing. I mean, I, I know that, that. Well, let me just say what I'm going to say. The jail population exploded right around that time. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking when I go in here, I hadn't been around. I hadn't been in the jail before. These people are telling me that everybody's out to get you. You got to watch these people. They're going to do stuff to you. It's going to be horrible. And then I get there. I'm like, I know these niggas. <laughs> <laughs> these are the same motherfuckers I come up with. Yeah. I ain't got no problem with none of these people. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> Even if I didn't know them, I knew that type of person. Mm-hmm. You dig on these ain't nothing but black folk. Right, right. And man, when they figured out, like the first year, you got to do what they tell you to do. Mm-hmm. But after that year, they can't really fire you. Really? It's really hard to fire you after your first year. And so I started showing my entire ass. I'm saying like, I'm, I'm like, they having meetings about shit I had did wrong because I didn't give a fuck about the rules. Right? Uh, <laughs> and, I was, and I was a pretty big dude and my hands was quick. Yeah. And so in my mind, I'm like, if I ain't scared of 48 motherfucking killers that you didn't put me with, why should I give a fuck about you and that little punk ass white shirt? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And in more than one occasion, I got physical with my, with my supervisors and didn't get fired. Really? More than one occasion. Now, that was just one occasion where I actually was finna punch this dude, and they stopped me before I could hit him. But I did push him over the desk and get him at a disadvantage so I could just pound his bones. You know what I'm saying? And again, it wouldn't have happened because I I, I hate violence. But the problem is you can't just keep pushing on me. You know what I'm saying? I'm still from Chicago, and I'm not finna be in the neighborhood and people taking shit from me like, you know, I'm like, you know, you walk down the street with a popsicle, a nigga bite off your popsicle or some shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. I ain't gonna let nothing like that happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, but that was what it was, man. It was amazingly uh, interesting. Really? Man, man, every day, these guys were like kings. You understand what I'm saying? Like, they telling you they this when they ultimately are that. Mm-hmm. Because they were afraid of them. Mm. And the more I start siding with them, the more my personnel file got bigger. Mm. At the, at, by the time I quit, my personnel file looked like roots. <laughs> <laughs> they was writing me up every damn thing. God damn. It was so funny. It got to the point where they would write me up. And if you get so many write-ups, they send you to investigations because they want to fire you. Mm. But they couldn't really fire me for the shit they was writing me up for. Where I was parking in the parking lot and shit like that. Because it was open disrespect on my part. Let me let me just set the scene. They had a space for their supervisors to park and then a space somewhere else for officers to park. And none of our spaces were protected at all. Mm. So I was just driving, park right next to the boss of the building. Like, fuck you. you <laughs> <did>? <laughs> Officer Hines, you can't park over there. All right, well, you ain't got no tow truck or nothing, so I'm going to park this motherfucker. <laughs> the other thing is I would never commit to anything. Mm. I didn't buy no new car, no shit. Like, I bought a car that would last me a couple months and then go buy another one. Uh-huh. Because as soon as you show these people that you need them, then you going to get it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So I was like, I ain't got no babies. I ain't got nothing going on. I can I can live in the backseat of this car if I have to. Never had to. But I'm saying, like, my whole point is don't ever forget your people's humanity. Right. And don't let nobody else forget it, no matter the situation. Right. Man. And so how long how long did you um did you were you in the jail? Nine and a half years. Nine and a half years? Okay. And it was a reason that I quit when I did. Really? What was the reason? Can you talk about it? Yeah, I had a um when I went through the academy in ninety four, 
it was a little Polish dude, real little Polish dude named Prohaska. He was a cool little dude, but um, he wasn't. He he was a cool dude, but he wasn't like nobody I would hang out with, right? And one day I was down in the cafeteria complaining about some shit. They call it uh, the officer's dining room because they take every opportunity to separate you from everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. They want you, when they officer, they want these people to know these are our niggas, Mm -hmm. you dig? And you niggas is separate, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm in the officer's dining room and what I would do is, I would take motherfuckers' food out the office. <laughs> right? So I'd be, I'd be taking some of my homies. They're like, hey, man, you got some tuna down there? I said, I'll be right back. Go down there and get them some tuna <laughs> shit. Bring back the steak. All this shit you ain't supposed to do. But i like, fuck y'all. What you going to do? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so I was down in the office dining room, and Prohaska walks up to me, and I'm like, I'm sick of these motherfucking police-ass motherfuckers or some shit I said. And he looks at me and says, hey, man, how are you any different? You're no longer a comedian. You a fucking jail guard. This little bitty dude says this to me, and he knows how I get out. And I look at him, and I was like, you know what? You're right. So I start finding an exit strategy. Mm. And I made a movie with a dude who was not, um, he was not very scrupulous. He he didn't have very many scruples. Mm -hmm. And he had a gambling problem. Now, we made a hell of a movie, but it'll never see the light of day because this dude just couldn't control himself. And uh, it was called Chasing Robert, and it was really funny. It was about a guy who had a gambling addiction who was trying to win a bet with a side bet that he could sleep with anybody this other guy chose within two weeks. So the guy chooses me. (laughs) In the movie? In the movie. And Uh he thinks I'm a Baptist minister. Mm. And so now he got to try to get friends with me and sleep with me by the end of the movie. And, you know, none of the shit works out for him. But it does work in the end where he don't die. <laughs> that's, a fun, yeah, that's, a, that's a funny just a premise. That's that's fucking funny. Yep. And it was a bunch of A-list comics in it at the time. Um, a lot of white boy comics. But it was a bunch of good comics in it. Like um, Larry Miller was amazing in it. Um, Larry Miller was the dude that played uh, in um, The Nutty Professor as the supervisor. Like the dean of the college in that movie and he also was in pretty woman as the guy who was trying to sell uh sell apparel to the chick and he was like you need to suck up more and the dude was like you not only are you a powerful man he was like not to me to her you know what i mean it was that dude and larry okay. miller larry miller is funny as hell really he was if if this movie would have been released he would have stole the entire film mm. with just one scene he was amazing wow. in that movie and that's what got you out of working in the jail doing the movie. Yep. Man. Yep. Okay. What kind of um what kind of stories or did you see any like really like fucked up shit in the jail? Every day. Every really? day. And and it wasn't all violence. It was just man, our people was beat down in there, bruh. And but even in that, they were still kind of um regal like in their behavior. Um it was it was it was this one dude. I, I don't want to say their names because I don't want them to be on blast. But it was this dude that was robbing drug dealers, right? In the jail? No. Oh, in on, real on life. The oh, they okay. got him for a bunch of armed robberies. Mm-hmm. And what he was doing, he was robbing drug dealers and shit. He was a big dude, real tall, strong as hell. Like you know, sometimes we would play around. I'm pushing him and shit. They push me back. I'm like, God damn, nigga, you strong. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It was it was it was a brotherly type of situation. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Hey man, the police got me because I was robbing niggas before they could. <laughs> mm. So they had to get him off the street because he was getting <laughs> he was taking away from them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it was always little stuff like that that like they attack you at every turn and everything they could do to try to get you to rise up, so they could you know put you back in your place. Goodness gracious, man! Goodness, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I could. Uh, I don't think I'm built for that. Like I. I'm too, I know too many people that's that's just in the streets and they only doing what they're doing because of the circumstances that they're in where they're really good people. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. And yes, so sir. I, I, I recognize that and I don't think I would have been able to, to do I, that. 
I, I see that. I can understand that. And I would agree with that, except for the fact that somebody got to stand between them and these people. Yeah. And it was a group of us. And, and here's what's even more interesting. They got unions in like 1986, 1987. Police couldn't get unions before that. Mm. Not in the state of Illinois. Now, it might have been nationwide, but in the state of Illinois, you couldn't have a union until like, like 1987. Mm. 1994, all of a sudden, they got a union in 87, and the union had set up where you could get raises real quick. Like every year, they would give you a 5% raise every year for the first five years. So at the end of your first five steps, you were you had made at least 25 percent more than when you started. Yeah. And then they would give you the increase that they gave everyone else. Right. So like 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 you automatically going to get a raise after your first year. Mm-hmm. But if the county got a couple of percent, you got that, too. Oh, so I had made almost 30 percent more in five years. Wow. Right. Yeah. OK. That will bring a lot of white people because the job paying good money now. And when them white people got there, the amount of fights and shit went up because they were consistently fucking with these brothers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were new, so they couldn't get good shifts. So they'd be on 3 to 11 shift. So it's a, a cluster of little white boys on 3 to 11 shift doing shit that was fucked up that we had to clean up behind all the time. So that's another part of it. Like you, like these white boys don't understand about the have. They keep fucking with these dudes. Yeah, yeah. And then we'd have to go in, try to calm them down, try to keep them from fucking them up. Yeah, tell the story. I heard the story where you said you made up a day, no crime day or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, some of that had to do with my dad, right? Uh. My dad loved fighting. Like saying, I'm, I'm honest to God, man. My father, ninety two. He stopped fighting in the street when he was 70. <laughs> right? This dude was beating <laughs> niggas up half his age at 70. Goodness gracious. So one day I come by there and he like, hey, man, how many people y'all beat up? I was like, we ain't fight at all today. He was like, well, what the fuck do we pay taxes for? Like, you better whoop somebody ass tomorrow shit. What's this, no crime Thursday? So I'm in the jail and they about to fight. It's about to happen. And I'm looking around. And, they, and when they get ready to fight. It's a dude who did a brilliant joke. I don't know who he was, but he talked about how Mexicans had on boots. Oh, that's Ali Sadiq. That motherfucker was exactly right. Like, <laughs> when you see ain't nobody got on flip-flops, yeah. <laughs> and everybody not, they, they didn't have boots, they had gym shoes. But when you see a person's gym shoes tied to the point where the eyelids are hurting, <laughs> you know what I mean? Somebody about to get fucked up. Yeah. And so now they standing on both sides of me, and they about to go in, and I'm like, oh, shit. And I don't want them to fight, but they're going to fight if I don't do something. So I look around. I was like, okay, fellas, today is no crime Thursday. If you have to fight, do it on the next shift. And them niggas was mad as hell, but they looked at each other. They thought, man, we could fuck up some white boys. Kicking your ass next shift. (laughs) (laughs) And dig this. This is a part of my own dereliction, but I will admit it to you because I feel your vibe. I didn't tell them motherfuckers they was going to fight. Really? I didn't say a goddamn word because I was like, let me tell you why. Brothers got to do all type of insane shit to just survive in jail, right? And one of the things you do, sometimes you use your toilet for something other than using the bathroom. You put your food in it to keep it cool. You could do your laundry in it. You know, it's all type of shit that they are doing to just maintain. Well, these motherfuckers would go in, see your white T-shirts in the toilet, and pour your Kool-Aid in the toilet to make your shirt stain pink. Mm. This is the type of shit these crackers doing, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm like, well, if if you're going to get locked down anyway, you might as well get your row out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you go out, so I ain't saying shit. Let's see what happened. Now, I don't remember what happened after that. Because I was like, it was my off day the next two days. So whatever happened, I don't know. But I know I ain't say shit. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I deal with it when I get back on my <laughs> you know shit. I know all the people that's going to be on this 3 to 11 going to be white boys. And they're going to dupe them motherfuckers up. <laughs> I know what's going to happen. So I, I got up out that bitch. It was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> that's the situation that you created. <laughs> oh, snap. Oh man, that is hilarious, man. That is, yes. But that's just—I mean, that's 
I feel like that's like a um and here here's my take on on the whole thing, right? I feel like black people are fucking black people, they have to do a lot of shit to just get on an even playing field. And that's why I feel like black people, no matter what, they always whatever whatever is the status quo, black people gonna make sure they they gonna at least appear there or they gonna do something to get there. And I'm just like, hey man, this is even Steven at that point. You know what I'm saying? Even Steven ain't no ain't no y'all taking money from from the corporate way. Black people getting it in the street way. You know you what I'm saying? So it's all good. And the most important thing to always remember, little brothers out there struggling, little brothers out there trying to figure out where you're supposed to be, you can never underestimate the power of a 400-year head start that these people got. Mm. You can never underestimate that. So if you don't feel like you are where you're supposed to be, it ain't always on you. You dig? You just got, I mean, I ain't telling you not to still bust your ass and hustle because that's what you do. But at the same time, realize that these people got a head start that you giving them, your ancestors giving them. That is going to be hard to catch up with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so do you, um, I know you talk about it, but it's just for the audience. Do you you talk about all this in your stand-up? A lot of it, yeah, a lot of it. And it's, th- it's new stuff that I have been talking about that I'm working on now. Now I'm fine-tuning. We, we released that special, and um, and we released this song, um, and, and we released another character that's Basically, Toby Jones is looked for by the police, so we made a new character. Okay. <laughs> it just had more to do with um, I was having creative differences with the people who actually own the character, mm. and I just didn't want to bother with them anymore. Yeah, because you got this, uh, you got these songs for these commercials online, and that's how I originally found you. Because I always scoured the internet late at night, just looking for interesting videos. And then I came across this video. It was a, a barbecue and a foot massage. It was advertising. I was like, what? who the fuck got <laughs> Who the fuck puts barbecue and foot massage in the same place? And I was like, yo, this is fucking hilarious. And then I even inboxed you. I was like, hey, man, if you want to come on and then promote your business, you can. <laughs> and then when I seen more videos, I was like, oh, this, this is a joke. This ain't for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah what happened was there was um i was doing stand-up i had left the jail and i was doing stand-up and i had ran into this group of guys called big dog eat child big dog eat child yes okay and they were um they were a sketch group mm. and one of them had an idea for a character that he couldn't make work they had tried to make the character work it didn't work and they called me like, hey, uh, they, f- they saw me in a, in a coffee house in Naperville. That's a suburb of Chicago, got a little money. Mm, okay. And so when I, uh, when I seen them, um, the first time they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't say much. Then the second time I seen them at a place called the Lakeshore Theater. Well, the Lakeshore Theater is now the Laugh Factory in Chicago. Mm, so okay. I see them, and I, was, um, and I was really having great shows in the Laugh Factory. And and um, the other thing that's interesting about the Lab Factory is in Boys Town. There's a lot of gays up there, mm. and that's what got rid of my homophobia, right? You know, I was straight good Christian boy. I was in the army. I was the police. You know, despite fighting these people, I still had these certain values that weren't really serving me. Now, if you are a Christian, enjoy your Christianity. I'm not saying anything bad about it. It just didn't serve me. And when I got up on the north side and all these gay guys start coming to my shows and they just start doing shit for me that I didn't ask them to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it wasn't even like it wasn't like nobody trying to fill up on me and nothing. It was just like, oh, you really nice. Here's something we thought about you might want. Mm. And they started. And, and then a lot of the time they paper the room. Now, the papering the room means you give away the tickets so you can sell the drinks. And they had uh, a marketing firm to do it. And one of the marketing firm guys came up to me and was like, hey, man. Your tickets are the easiest to give away. He says, sometimes we have a hard time giving away these tickets. We don't never have a hard time giving away yours. Mm. And every time I would go in there, it would be packed. And um, after the show, my wife and I would go hang out at this place where we would get something to eat afterwards. And all them cats would come around like, hey, man, I had a great show tonight. And so, but in, in, in any event, I just wanted to point out the fact that we don't need to divide ourselves from people over bullshit. Right. Now, I'm not, I'm, you know, you do you however you do you. And I'm not telling anybody to follow the way I live, but I'm saying I'm finding that it's easier to unite than it is to be uh, divided. Yeah. And um, 
and and I was at the Lakeshore Theater, and and a lot of shit happened to me, happened for me at that theater. And now that is the Laugh Factory. I, I even forgot my whole train of thought for bringing this shit up. <laughs> you were telling me about the weed. <laughs> I'm sorry, you were telling me about the the Jones Barbecue. Oh, oh, so these cats catch me at the Lakeshore Theater. My bad. Thank you for listening because <laughs> yeah. I do tend to go on. You did. Yeah. Um, and these cats catch me there, and they was like, uh, "We want to make this character, and we we can't figure it out." So the the character's name was Toby Jones. So the very first video we made was called Jones Big Ass Truck Rental and Storage Facility. <laughs> and so we got there and they had stuff that they had written and I was looking at the stuff and I could see where they was going. And so after after we would shoot after we shot a couple of their things, I was like, um, just roll a camera. And they was like, okay. And they start rolling the camera and I just start seeing a bunch of the shit that made it into the video. Um, and it's this one part that I have told this story before, but this is what happened. There's a part where I'm sitting on the hood of a car. And I was like, um, you ain't the Dukes of Hazard." That's because they wanted me to get in that rusty, raggedy <laughs> motherfucker. And it had T-tops and it was water sitting in the bottom of it. And it was rust and shit. I was like, I'm not getting in this motherfucking car. I'm like, man, just turn on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I turned on the camera. <laughs> then the second one was called. Jones, good ass barbecue and foot massage. Now the reason that one was because at first the the um the truck rental one had way more hits than any of the other ones because it was the first one and it went viral in two thousand and eight when when oh. when YouTube was in its infancy. Mm-hmm. So they was like, we got to make another video, and we was all in my basement celebrating having a half million views at the time. Mm. And it took us about a month, maybe two to get them. Mm. And so when we got to that point, we were all sitting down in the basement. I don't even remember who said it, but but there was eight guys in the group, right? And one of them said, we should call it Jones Good-Ass Barbecue and Foot Massage. No, he said we should call it Jones Barbecue and Foot Massage. I was like, it's got to be an ass in there somewhere. Mm. Make it good ass. And he was like, okay, let's do that. And then we've shot that. And the reason it was more popular is because it had a jingle. Yes. That jingle. jingle changed everything. It jingled. And both of them had phone numbers. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> so I would answer the phones and it became pressure on my marriage. My wife would be like, man, turn that guy down. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they can really call yeah, and talk they to you? Call and, t- and man, we would yield calls. <laughs> Like, I'm taking calls and shit. This one little boy asked me to store his gym teacher or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) And then after that, we made the third one. It was called Jones Cheap-Ass Prepaid Legal and Daycare Academy. (laughs) That was my favorite because it was a place where you could play that didn't have any limits because we created everything. Like, you know, people know what barbecue look like. You yeah. know, it, it may not match with foot massage, but you kind of think that wouldn't be the worst experience to be eating on the rib while a motherfucker <laughs> rubbing my feet, you know. <laughs> but that, that, that last one, that was so much fun because it was kids involved. And the mm. funny thing was, it was, I, I, man, I just love watching people become who they are going to be, right? Mm-hmm. And these little people were so um, well-behaved. Mm. That they didn't want to be as wild as we needed them to be. <laughs> we was giving them sugar and shit that wasn't enough. They was just hyper, but not wanting to move too much. It was like sitting there all shaking and shit. But everything we could do, man. And then finally, they we just sat there long enough, and they just gave them directions, like mm. go over there and hit them with that thing. And, and this little girl really didn't want to do it. <laughs> it was hilarious. They were so well behaved, man. And man. My favorite is the Jones barbecue and foot massage. Can you do the jingle for? I know yes, you get. Sir. I know you get asked all, all the, time. the time. I do a live every Friday, <laughs> as much as when I'm at home. I do a live on TikTok, and every every Friday I end the live with the song. Okay, Jones barbecue and foot massage. Jones barbecue and foot massage. Better come down here and get some of this shit. <laughs> 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 We was standing. We was at the venue that it was gonna be shot at, and we couldn't get in. Mm. They wouldn't. They wasn't there yet, and so they had rented these costumes and shit. And they were standing out in front of the like. It was a Harold's Chicken that used to be on 119th and Western in Chicago, and we standing there and we don't got in there. And they dressed in the costumes, and we just started dancing this can can. And one of the guys was like, "Sing something," yeah. and that's what came out. Uh, came. Okay. It would have been longer. But when I said the last part, everybody started laughing. 
And so it was no longer, you know, and after you get out of that little space, you know, it ain't always the same. But after yeah. that, so right now I'm just going to write an ending to the song mm. and I'm going to put it out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then you got the new one, um, the cryotherapy and Moby crypto. Combs. <laughs> Combs. Cold as cryotherapy and cryptocurrency advisory. <laughs> Hey, man. Hey, I'm going to have to give credit where credit is due. Hannibal Burris. Mm. That nigga is amazing. Yes. Hannibal helped you with that? Hannibal helped me. Man, dude, he's still, like, doing shit for me. The brother said he called me up. Well, here's what happened. I had, I'm on this podcast called called The New OGs. Okay. The New OGs is on the People of Comedy Network. And it's myself, Xavier Lamont, and Bobby Hill, right? At first, it was just Bobby Hill and Xavier. And they called me into their little studio, and we did the thing. And when we when they introduced me, again, man, I know I got a lot of hits on YouTube, but it wasn't, it didn't mean anything to me, right? Mm-hmm. And we get into this little space, and dude looks at me and goes, this is my Yoda of comedy. And I'm like, Yoda was a bad motherfucker, right? So I leave there thinking, I need to make more money. You know, and, and it's because of a brother that that inspired me to start doing shit. So I called Hannibal and I said, hey, man, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing wrong. And he was like, well, I think it's some shit that I can help you with. And then the second time I called him because I, you know, I had called him once and we had talked. and It was a month or so. And then I called him back the next month. He was like, look here, man, I'm finna do some new shit. And he was like, so um, I'm gonna start working with you. Well, the pandemic happened and I was on dialysis right before the pandemic and I got a new kidney. I mean, like a month before we got on lockdown. I got a new kidney in February of 2020. Mm. And so once I had the new kidney, I was able to move easier because that's why I wasn't touring as much as I was before, because it was hard for me to find dialysis in all these little places I was Mm. going to. And Hannibal, man, this dude, this 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 dude called me. I was, it was a Monday. It was a Monday. Not too long. Just a couple months ago. Wasn't that long ago. And he was like, yeah, man, this shit is about to open up. We need to start working on some shit. And he was like, I got an idea. What do you think of uh, cryotherapy and cryptocurrency? And I was like, I don't know much about either, but the shit sound funny as hell. <laughs> 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 so Monday, we talk about it. Tuesday, he takes me to a cryo place. And I get cryotherapy. Was not expecting it. Thought we were just scouting the area. And the lady hands me a robe and shit and some socks and some shoes. And I was like, nigga, I, f-. I was like, fuck it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I got in it. I experienced it. And I thought it was great. And then I, I mean, it's cold as, f- I mean, really fucking cold. But it does help your joints. But you got to do more than one treatment. Mm. So when we leave there, the next day we shoot the video. I mean, no, we, we the next day we make the song. Mm. We didn't have anything. We just came in. He has a studio. So I go into his studio and they working on the music and I'm listening to music and and I'm I'm smoking a ton of weed. Uh And I said, I think I got something for that. And he like made the producer dude give me what part of the song that they had immediately. And then I start singing on it. And he started writing down shit as I'm singing and he jumping up and down behind me like, yes, nigga, yes. And then when he got through, he handed me a piece of paper. I didn't understand any of the shit that was on the paper. <laughs> and he was patient. He was like, dude, I just handed it to you. Stop. Just enjoy it. And finally, we got it to where I could get the words down. And then we, um, we added, he added more shit to it. And like by the end of the week, it was a song. Really? And then the next week, we shot the video. God. So me. by like two weeks... It was not only a, a song that he was still tinkering with, but it was a fucking video that I was like, God damn, this is amazing. And then we go to Houston, right? Um, Saman, that's, that's, he's my tour manager. This dude, Saman, knows a bunch of people. He's from Houston, mm. right? And, he, and, man, he hang out with the brothers. Like I'm saying, like, we was out there smoking bud and hanging out, and you'd have thought Saman was black. Cause yeah. He was out there kicking <laughs> it and shit and it was just crazy. And then, and he knows a lot of dudes from Houston. And they have a specific style of remix, right? And his brother, Hollygrove, remixed it for me, man. And it got much love there. I was like, God damn. He was like, he said, Hollygrove says to me like, hey, man, um, I be mixing people's shit all the time. But this song was easy to mix because it was a good song. 
Mm. And I, I was just taken aback by that. We shot videos last night, hung out. Houston gave me so much love, man. I cannot wait to go back. Yeah, shout out to Houston, man. Houston, shout love shout outs. Shout out to Houston. <laughs> <laughs> On my podcast, when my guys, when we say shout out to somebody, then one of the other of us have to say that person loves shout outs. Oh, okay. That's where that came from. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> man, I, I need some. I need some advice from you, man. As an OG in comedy. I need some advice. So, have you ever? Let me let me just preface it with this. Have you ever dealt with any like comedy drama between comics? Have you ever dealt with that before? <laughs> <laughs> just last year. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't want to mention no names, but it it became very public. But I tried to broker the peace, and it did seem to work out. Okay. But, yeah, I've de- but not my own personal drama. Cause if motherfucker get too annoying to me, I just leave. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I will. If if you start getting me mad right now, I would just take your shit, put it down, <laughs> just walk out. <laughs> because I have been locked up before, right? I, I mean, I wasn't an inmate per se, but it was the same situation. Mm-hmm. And if I can leave, then I'm not finna sit and take no abuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, I have, I have dealt with him more than one time. But that, this this is the most recent. Yeah. Okay. So tell me what I should do, man. Because in the in in, in my little comedy world, right? I got two homeboys, a dude named Billy Sorrells and a dude named Delay. They had a podcast. Uh, it was a successful podcast, right? It was called "Did You Miss Me?" podcast. Mm. And so, um, for whatever reason, they fell out. They stopped doing it. Um, and everybody was like, what the fuck happened? You know what I mean? The audience, people was questioning what happened. Billy came out and said that um, D-Lay was trying to sleep with, his, with, with Billy's wife. Mm. So um, that was like, oh, that was messed up, blah, blah, blah. But I worked with Billy before, like probably like 2008 to about probably like 2010. And... What I know about what I know about Billy is it is like and let me let me preface it with this. It was already said that they had been swinging, right? Mm. They was all of them was kind of like on drugs or Billy was on drugs and they was swinging and doing some wild shit, some young comedy shit. You know what I mean? But what I when I mess with Billy, the reason why me and him, I never talked about this either. And the reason why me and Billy, Billy fell out is because we were making videos when YouTube was first coming out and Google was giving money to these networks and we got a bunch of money from doing uh, some videos and it, we, it was because of money that we fell out. Mm. And so I was like, that seemed like the same situation that me and Billy went through. Like, I know, I know Billy trying to paint it as he messed with my wife, but I feel like that was some money, some money mismanagement somewhere involved. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't say nothing, um, and you know I'm just sitting in the back like everybody else watching. And Billy comes out and says he does a um, a live with another comedian from Houston named Derek. He does a, a live with him, and he's talking to Derek about what happened. And he comes out and says, "Yeah, we were swinging, but why won't um, Delay say that he sucked my dick too?" And so. Everybody was like, what? Mm. Wait, 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 what the fuck mm. happened? <laughs> and so, so me being a, being a fucking idiot, <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just here for the jokes. You know what I'm saying? I do a little video and make fun of that live. You know what I mean? But of course it ain't pain delay in the, in a good light. You know what I right. mean? But I'm just here for the jokes. I don't. Right. I, <laughs> I don't feel like that really happened. I really feel like Billy is just trying to save face. You know what I mean? But I'm just here for the jokes. And now I got people coming at me, mad at me for making the joke. I need some. I need some advice. Well, first, the first question is, what was the joke? Like, it painted Delay in a bad light. You saying? Uh huh. I probably wouldn't have never done the shit. Only because. It's so many other things to talk about. Okay. But now that it's in that position, um, I would let the game come to me how it came to me. You dig what I'm saying? Like, whoever came to me with whatever beef they had, I would deal with it on a case-to-case basis. 
because of what the situation is, I, I just don't see any win in making another move until someone makes one towards you. Okay. Right now, yeah. I'm not. I mean, I'm, this could be lousy advice because I don't know a whole lot of other information. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I'm saying like now that and, and is the video doing well that you made? I mean, yeah, it's doing this. Doing, right. Well, if you know, I'm saying like <laughs> it's doing decent. Well, what else can you do? Right. It's out there now. I can't retract the shit. You and, know. And the only thing I did was I took the live like delay has a, uh, a he does like this little series where all internet videos he'll come on and he'll he'll um he'll play the video but he comes on he says man what's wrong with this nigga come get this nigga that's the tagline come get this nigga and so what i did is did a remake of that with the (laughs) with the video of him saying that he that the billy made oh my god (laughs) hey man um that's funny as fuck but it's also kind of shady. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know this motherfucker might not be telling the truth. <laughs> so you have strategically placed yourself in the middle of an unnecessary shit storm. But, but, yeah. this shit was funny. And that's what I was going for. That's what I was going for. I think your best bet is to, if, if, if D-Lay come to you like, man, this was fucked up. Like, hey, man, this is the game, right? I was just making fun of a situation. I didn't mean anything by it. It was just comedy. And if he can't, if he can't G for it, then I guess y'all gonna have to cool out for a while. Over time, motherfuckers cool out and the shit be over. Just like you know, you was working with Billy again. Eventually, it'll heal itself. But you might need to get that some time. And, and I try to reach out to Delay, man, just to see, like, hey, man, I just if if he's mad at me, then. I take it down, man. Right, you know what I'm saying. It ain't no right. big deal, but it doesn't matter. Somebody else gonna put it back. <laughs> I thought this shit was just funny it to is me. Hilarious. I thought this shit was funny <laughs> to me. So I'm just here for the jokes, man. Right. That's, that's it. I'm just here for the straight jokes, man. And, and I mean, and at the end of the day, you gotta ask the nigga, was it funny? I mean, you know your style. You know, delay know his style. You know how this is what he did. Yeah. That's how he do. Yeah. So you shouldn't be too upset. I just remixed your shit, and you know. Yeah, and and I don't think I don't think that I don't think delay gay or I don't think nothing no gay act happened. I really think Billy is reaching. That's mm-hmm. my own personal thought. I think Billy is reaching just because he let another guy mess with his wife, and mm-hmm. I, that's my personal feelings of it. Mm-hmm. But I just thought this shit was funny. And so he trying to take pressure off his own lifestyle choices by putting somebody in a <laughs> shitty position. Yes. Yes. I'm just like, hey man, Ooh, I'm just funny. I'm just here for the jokes. <laughs> My bad, Delay man. My bad. <laughs> hey, y'all brothers need to get this shit squared away and get back to making that funny shit. For real, man. For real. Man. Uh, <laughs> so what else? Um I know you you touring now. You're yeah. back out touring. Yeah. Um by the time this come out, you'll be party already done with Addison. Yeah. And then your next show will be in Arizona? Arizona. I think it's the 19th or 20th. 19th? The 19th. Okay. Yeah. I don't keep up with shit. Yeah. That's why they hire people to help me because I don't keep up with nothing. Like yeah. I'm finally to the point where um, where <laughs> Saman got me doing more shit on my cell phone mm. out of necessity, right? And I'm learning the apps a little bit better with somebody to tell me what I'm doing wrong, but... um. Man, I'm horrible. At, like, if you listen to my podcast, it used to be a running joke that I didn't know any of my social media, right? Mm. So when Hannibal people came in, they changed it all to one thing, so I know all my social media now. <laughs> but when they would ask me, where could we find you? I was like, on them internets. You know what I'm saying? I had no idea. I was like, and then they all made it all consistent, and, and the, um, it's just been a lot better. Mm. And I know a little bit more now than I did before. So okay, are you and um, Hannibal gonna work together like um, on like some stuff that he got, or like where people can wherever that brother called me, I'm gonna show up. Mm, you understand? Okay. He has. We haven't at, at this point. We pushing um, lockdown. My my comedy special. Mm-hmm. Um and and um and we pushing the crypto cryo video. The Moby Combs character. But we haven't. We really haven't walked, talked about much else because we're in the middle of doing this. 
but there is some stuff that we will be doing. Mm. Yeah. I would love to see you and uh, Hannibal like in the buddy cop movie. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see like y'all, if y'all could do like an internet series of y'all fighting crime together, I think that shit would be hilarious. It would be fairly a lazy cop kind of situation. <laughs> yes. Because his, his vibe is exactly what he is on stage is what he is everywhere. Really? He is not in, he's not a hyper kind of person, right? And neither am I for the most part. So it'll be both of us looking at criminals like, you motherfuckers better slow down. <laughs> it would just be wise cracks and shit. You about to run into some shit. No, I'm not. Boing! And yeah. we run into some shit and we go arrest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be mostly people fucking themselves up if we just put Yes, that would be hilarious. That, that, that in itself would be hilarious. That dude is something, man. That man is gifted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Hannibal is dope, man. Mm -hmm. Hannibal is super dope, man. Like I would love to, um, I would love to see you too, but um, on some just you, you know what I'm saying? Like I don't, I don't even know, but just your videos on on Instagram be fucking hilarious. And if y'all don't know, this is Rob Robert underscore L underscore Hines. On Instagram and everything else, on social media, yeah, yeah, his fucking videos is hilarious. Thank you, thank. You. And then you know TikTok. Uh, there was a brother named Poppy underscore Dre one. I had a TikTok. <laughs> dig this. I, I was getting out of surgery from having my kidney put in. Mm -hmm. This was in like February, and somebody sent me a message like, "Hey man, you need to see what's going on on TikTok." And you know how they do those dance challenges and shit? Yeah. Well, apparently the Jones Barbecue song warranted a, a dance challenge. Did not know it. And I looked at it, and it was like a few million videos of it. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool, right? That was back then. Then, by the, then So I got eventually I got on TikTok. Poppy sends me a message like, hey, man, I'm getting a lot of requests for you. Um, and he does these where are they now type videos. Mm. And so Poppy goes, hey, uh add me uh like me or what have you however you confirmed the person and he was like i'm gonna I'm a put a video out about you it's gonna probably blow up no what he said was i'm gonna put a video out about you it's gonna blow up and then um you start putting up content after that mm. and so because it was nothing on there it was just zero videos or nothing it was just me mm -hmm. and then uh this brother put up a video on a wednesday night or some shit Thursday I had 5,000 followers and I was very impressed mm -hmm. I woke up Saturday I had 55,000 followers on TikTok on TikTok in two days and then by the end of the week I had over 100,000 right now I'm sitting at about 250 260,000 God, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, and I just started putting up more videos since um, Hannibal got involved and, and the videos are doing pretty good. And there's times where like the first few videos I put up, nobody knew I was on TikTok. So they, they got flooded. Like the very first video I put up got like 3.7 million views. And it was just me looking at a girl do the dance that was in a polka dot dress or some shit like that. No, my first video was a welcome video. Mm. And that one, got, and then then that girl's video got a couple million views or some some ridiculous ass number. And after that, man, I, every any video that we put up that we produce in any way, like outside of me just talking to people, yeah, it it usually gets around ten, twelve thousand views. I see. I don't even understand TikTok. I haven't. I, I, the algorithm keeps changing too. Man, they keep changing. I swore after Instagram, I wasn't getting on no more social media platforms. And then Clubhouse came, and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to get on one more. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, man, I, I, but I need, to, I need to get on TikTok because I just want to see what's going on over there because I have no idea how to work TikTok at dig all. Dig this, man. Whatever you dig is on TikTok. Really? Whatever it is you dig, whatever it is you into, somebody going to make a video about it, and you can find those videos. And once you start watching those type of videos, that's the type of videos that keep showing you. Mm. So like whatever you and like you know, <laughs> <laughs> if you like a certain type of video, you're gonna keep getting them. So every time I see a sister saying anything, bloop, bloop. so now mm. I got a bunch of thick ass sisters and all these pictures and shit, and a bunch of kids doing kid shit, and it is hilarious. And then it's a lot of conscious black shit on mine, and so like every video I get, 
let me tell you something about yourself. You are awesome. You know, <laughs> it was like that. Or some sister like, yeah, you know, um, like, you know, the, whatever the latest thing, like, um, like, um, like it was one where this, there was this Mexican voice, this Latin speaking person saying something about um, like it was just one about this chick asking for an ass. And it was just her saying she had three wishes and she was like, ass, ass, ass. Right. And she that was her three wishes. <laughs> I got a bunch of videos of that. Cause that shit was hilarious to me, and all of these girls complained about not having ass, had huge asses. I'm like, what is wrong with y'all? Y'all perfect. What the fuck? But that's the type of stuff you find. Like, if whatever it is you dig, you're gonna consistently get to see it. I want to. I want to. Some midget porn or something. <laughs> something like that. I'm gonna just test your theory and see. See if I. You get might not. They're not gonna show you midget porn, but they'll show you a bunch of midgets with fat asses. Yeah. yeah. I'm just. If you like one or two videos, they're gonna bring you more of what you like. Really? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I need to get on TikTok, man. I do. I do. Man, before you leave us, man, can you leave us with the best Bernie Mac story you got? Oh my goodness, I have. A few. Let me think. Well, um, this kind of, I talked about this the other night, and this actually, well, well okay. What you got to understand is that this dude, he was kind of Chicago personified. We went to the same high school just at different times. Uh, we had a lot of the similar experiences. He was just way more that fatherly uncle kind of character than I'm growing into that. But at the time, he was that. Mm. And Bernie had this thing where um, he did not pull any punches. Whatever he said to you, he didn't give a fuck how you felt about it. And we were out and we were doing our thing and the show didn't go well. Right. And one of my brothers, we was all standing there and he walks up to one of the brothers and goes, it's a damn shame when you can't entertain your own people and walked away. Now, you already feel bad about the show, suck it. But for him to say that, you're like, oh, my God. But what happens is after that, you're like, a nigga ain't going to never talk to me like that again. I'm getting in my notebook. You dig? I'm practicing. And the next time this nigga see me, it's going to be a different situation. He 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 bred that type of competition. And um, and and it was always like that with him. Like, it was always like that with him. If you... if in his mind, if they not laughing, it's your fault. And he would say that. He was like, hey, man. He said to me one time. <laughs> he said, hey, Rob, a room full of people can't be wrong. It's you. Mm, <laughs> true. True. Yeah. yeah. So true. So true. Man, out of all the, the comedians um, that I really watched and studied and liked, he's the only one I never got to actually meet. Or be mm. in his presence, man. Mm. He's the only one. And I every time I every time I'm around like older comics and they uh, they talk about Bernie Mac, I just be sitting there like, man, I wish I would have got to meet him. Man, he um he was truly uh, I'm a legend in, in in that he he did it the way like he worked his way through this bullshit and got to the top of it. Like he was I'm saying like he would take you to rooms where nobody else would go. Right, mm. like you would go to little bars and shit where people ain't even expecting comedy. This nigga just having a drink, and then you come in like, "Hey, what's up?" Yeah. Like, Man, fuck you! Shit. <laughs> I got a shitty job, and I got to sit and listen to this nigga talk, you know. And at the time, you know, we young and cute, so all the little <laughs> girls looking at us, and shit. This old motherfucker looking like, "Man, fuck you! I hope you die." <laughs> you <know? laughs> While he's drinking his Miller Genuine Draft. You know <laughs> yeah, those the rooms we would be in. And again, man, I'm saying like. It would be truly um, thugs. Like, it would be whatever you consider unsavory because I don't consider them unsavory. I just consider them who they are. And But whatever a person would consider unsavory, all of a sudden they well-behaved and we kicking it at Bernie's spot. Every, like, R. Kelly would run up in that motherfucker. Mm. This was a place called, um, I know we got to go, but it was a place called the Cotton Club. Mm. And the Cotton Club, you, you ever see Car Wash? Yeah. The you know, old car wash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the guy played Hippo. His name was Jimmy Spinks. He oh. died. He passed away. But Jimmy Spinks would sit on the stage before Bernie. His show started at 10. And he'd be singing old blues standards and shit and doing little stuff. And, and then Bernie's show would be next. And here's the thing. The stage was in the front of the room. And the door was to the left of the stage. So niggas would come in late. 
and Bernie talk about them and shit all the way to their seat. Uh-huh. And one night, man, I would never forget. This is a good Bernie story because this, this was crazy. One night, they wasn't even listening to Bernie. Niggas is just talking and kicking it, having a good time and shit. He talking and they ain't listening. And I'm looking like, damn, how this going to turn out? And Bernie stopped talking and he calmly walked over to the piano, sat down and started playing the piano. Like like a like a song or playing like, the fucking piano. Yeah. And people looking like Bernie play piano? And they starting to groove to what he playing. Then he stopped playing and he slammed the piano shut and stood up and said, Fuck you, you should have been listening to me in the goddamn beginning and started talking about pimps. Just like, about, like, like talking about pimps and drug dealers and shit. He fucking them up and he's like, you motherfuckers should have been listening to me from the beginning. And he was actually angry, but it was hilarious. Yeah. Like, not everybody can do this. Right. You know right. We on stage begging for laughs. This nigga is demanding them. Yeah. And that layeth the difference. That's where once you realize, like, this is what it is. Mm. You know, I ain't got no reason to be scared. These are my people. And that's the consistent theme throughout everything. Like I'm saying in that jail, these my people. I ain't got to be scared of them. Mm-hmm. When I'm on the street, I'm saying hello to motherfuckers who surprised to hear a nigga say hello to them. Because, again, in these cities, they're telling us that we can't trust each other. If mm-hmm. you just say hello, that changes everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, man, I, I'm not finna never let nobody tell me about black folks. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Rob. Appreciate you, man. Hey, thank you for having me, Thank man. you for tapping in with us, man. Right. This was a, a treat, Appreciate man. You. Thank you. Yes, thank sir, you. man. Dang. Man, yo, thank y'all for tapping in with us, man. This is this was a dope. This is dope, man. Thank like, you. Yeah, this is super dope. Yo, man, don't forget the getting is in the giving, man. Yo, this has been the Tap In Podcast. Holla. <laughs>